You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. On the morning of April 13th, 2011, a Tennessee woman named Karen Bobo received a terrifying phone call at work. Her family's neighbors had heard someone screaming from their home. Frantic, Karen immediately called the house. When she left about 40 minutes earlier, everything had seemed normal, peaceful. But when Karen got in touch with her son, she realized that something terrible had happened. Clint Bobo had seen his sister, 20-year-old Holly Bobo, disappear into the woods with a strange man. Get your gun, Karen told him, but it was too late. Holly Bobo had vanished, and she would never be seen alive again. Bobo's disappearance rattled her small community of Darden, Tennessee, but despite having an eyewitness who'd seen her being abducted, authorities struggled to develop any leads. For years, the Bobo family had nothing but a handful of disturbing clues, as well as wrenching questions about the fate of their daughter. By the time a pair of ginseng hunters finally found Holly's bones in the woods nearby, several men had been arrested for kidnapping, raping, and killing her. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm all this interesting staff writer, Kalina Fraga. Today, we'll investigate the shocking kidnapping and murder of Holly Bobo. morning of April 13th began like any other morning in the Bobo household. 20-year-old Kali Bobo got up before dawn to study for a nursing exam she had that day. Her parents, Karen and Dana Bobo, both left early for work around 7 a.m., while 25-year-old Clint Bobo, a college student, slept in. No one knows exactly what happened in the next 40 minutes. Only that, as Holly Bobo prepared to leave for school, someone crept out of the forest nearby. Around 7.40 a.m., one of the neighbors heard someone screaming near the Bobo house. He told his mother, who called Karen Bobo at the school where she taught. Karen immediately called home. Meanwhile, Clint Bobo had just woken up to the sound of dogs barking. When his mother called in a panic, he went to see if Holly's car was still in the driveway, and it was. At that point, I knew something was wrong, Karen Bobo later said. Holly should have already gone to school. I hung up and dialed 911. Clint looked out the window. He would later tell authorities different stories about what he saw. 
Clint acknowledged as much, saying he was just trying to remember as many details as he could. But one thing is for sure. When Clint looked out the window, he saw his sister with a man dressed in camouflage. Clint wasn't alarmed. He assumed it was Holly's boyfriend, Drew Scott. I expected Drew to be dressed in camouflage, Clint Bobo later said, because Drew and I had talked the night before and he told me he was going turkey hunting that morning. In one version of this story, Clint describes overhearing snippets of conversation between his sister and the man outside. He remembered that Holly was kneeling and sounded upset. At one point, he heard her say, no, why, and assumed that she and Drew were breaking up. Clint has also described going to the window immediately after talking to his mother on the phone and seeing his sister disappear into the woods with the man in camouflage. Meanwhile, Karen Bobo had called 911 but had mistakenly reached the wrong county's call center. Frustrated, she called the house again and Clint Bobo told her about the man in the yard. Oh my god, Clint, Karen said. That is not Drew. Call 911. Karen Bobo knew it wasn't Drew Scott. Holly's boyfriend had been hunting on her mother's property that morning and had had to call Karen and Holly after one of their relatives didn't recognize him. But Clint Bobo didn't know that. He tried calling both Drew and Holly but got no answer. Finally, Clint Bobo loaded his gun and went outside. There, by his sister's car, was a small puddle of blood. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation immediately launched a desperate search for the missing 20-year-old. Volunteers set out on foot, on horseback, and even by ATV. They fanned out across fields and trudged through the woods in hopes of finding Holly Bobo. The very next day, the volunteers uncovered several deeply disturbing clues. One volunteer was searching the barns and woods on his property when he saw a flash of color in a creek. It was Holly Bobo's lunchbox which still contained the sandwich that her mother had packed for her. Shortly afterward, another volunteer made an even more disturbing find, a pair of pink women's underwear discarded on the side of the road. But in the coming days, the trail went ice cold. Investigators had nothing but a handful of clues. They suspected that Holly Bobo had been abducted as she approached her car to go to school, but they had no idea what had happened next. Although investigators received a number of tips about four suspicious men in town, their early investigation focused on a known sexual predator. His name was Terry Britt, although locals referred to him as Chester the Molester. Britt was interviewed and his home was searched, but he was never charged with anything. Meanwhile, years passed with no new clues. By early 2014, the case was colder than ever. Neither Holly nor her remains had been found. Lacking any new leads, investigators turned to a pair of brothers they had suspected early on, Zach and Dylan Adams. Zach was known to the police. They'd been called to his house multiple times, and Zach had issues with drugs, especially meth. He'd also been violent in the past. On one occasion, he'd even shot his own mother in the knee. Plus, the TBI had received tips about Zach and Dylan as well as two of their friends, Shane Austin and Jason Autry, during the early days of the investigation. In fact, Holly's underwear had been found near Shane Austin's trailer. But investigators hadn't interviewed any of the four men or checked their alibis. And they had not thoroughly examined police reports about the Adamses, Austin, and Autry, 
something the TBI later called a mistake. In early 2014, when Dylan Adams was arrested for an unrelated weapons charge, authorities began to ask him questions about Holly Bobo's disappearance. And when Dylan Adams began to talk, he told the investigators a disturbing story. According to Dylan, he'd gone to his brother Zach's house on April 13th, 2011, the day that Holly Bobo disappeared. There, he'd seen Holly, alongside Zach and Jason Autry. According to Dylan, Zach claimed that he had raped Bobo and videotaped it. To some, Dylan Adams' testimony is suspect. Dylan's grandfather protested that Dylan had a low IQ and learning problems. Dylan's mother accused the police of coercing a confession and even claimed that neither of her sons was clever enough to plot a kidnapping. But for the police, Dylan Adams' confession was enough. From that point, their case started picking up steam. On March 5th, the TBI charged Jack Adams with aggravated kidnapping and felony first-degree murder. On April 29th, the same charges were filed against Autry. Following the lead about a possible videotape, police next arrested another pair of brothers, Jeff and Mark Piercy. Disturbingly, one of Jeff's former roommates would later testify that she'd seen part of the video in question. She said, I seen a woman that was tied up that was crying. She was blonde. It looked like Holly Bobo. However, authorities never found any videos of Holly Bobo. The charges against the Piercy brothers were later dropped. Meanwhile, a deal was struck with Shane Austin, who promised to bring authorities to Holly Bobo's body in exchange for immunity. He brought officers to an empty patch of land where the police found no trace of Holly Bobo's remains. Prosecutors tried to revoke Austin's immunity, and he later died by suicide. The authorities had very little hard evidence against Zach Adams as his trial rapidly approached. However, from prison, he made several incriminating statements. When he learned that a fellow inmate was going to be transferred to the prison that held his brother, Dylan, Zach told him to make sure Dylan kept his mouth shut, or, Zach said, he'd put him in a hole beside her. Damningly, Zach added, I'm not worried because they got no body and they got no gun. At that point, no one knew for sure if Holly Bobo was dead, or, if dead, how she had died. September 2014, a few months later, a pair of ginseng hunters came across an alarming discovery in the woods, a skull with a bullet hole in its cheek. Nearby were a number of Holly Bobo's possessions, including lipstick and pens, as well as other parts of her skeleton, teeth, ribs, and a shoulder blade. It was a gruesome find, but at last, her remains could come home. However, it took much longer for justice to be served. The trial against Zach Adams would not begin until three years later, in September 2017. By that point, Zach's friend, Jason Autry, had agreed to testify for the prosecution in exchange for a reduced sentence. Autry told the court that he'd gone to Zach Adams' house to buy drugs on April 13, 2011. There, he'd found Zach, Dylan, and Austin, with a fire burning in a barrel. Zach told him that he needed help disposing of a body. 
Autry, who claimed that he did not know who Holly Bobo was, agreed to help his friend get rid of the corpse. With Holly Bobo wrapped in a blanket in the back of Zach Adams' truck, the two drove to the Tennessee River. Adams said he would gut her so that her body would sink, but once they arrived, Holly Bobo began to move and moan. Zach Adams immediately pulled out a gun and shot her in the face. It sounded like boom, boom, boom underneath that bridge. It was just one shot, but it echoed, Autry testified. Birds went everywhere, all up under that bridge. Then, just dead silence for a second. Fearing that the gunshot would draw attention, they got back into the truck and fled. In the end, Zach Adams was sentenced to life in prison, plus 50 years for murder, kidnapping, and rape. His brother Dylan entered an Alfred plea, which is a guilty plea by a defendant who claims to be innocent. He was sentenced to 15 years for murder and 35 for aggravated kidnapping. Jason Autry served nine years due to his plea deal. But although the recovery of Holly Bobo's body and the imprisonment of her killers has brought closure, some questions and doubts about her murder have endured. Today, 10 years after Holly Bobo first disappeared, questions remain about her death. Why was she taken from her home? Was she targeted? Or was her kidnapping random? A crime of opportunity? During the trial, Jason Autry offered some insights, but many believe that his testimony should be regarded with suspicion as it spared him a longer prison sentence. Autry claimed that he had asked Zach Adams how he knew Holly. Zach said that he'd had sex with Holly Bobo's cousin, Natalie Bobo, who worked at a local strip club. According to Zach, Natalie had suggested that Holly would have a threesome with them. However, Natalie Bobo never confirmed nor denied this. According to Autry, Adams also claimed that he'd gone to the Bobo house that morning not to kidnap Holly, but to see her brother, Clint. Adams said that he was going to teach Clint how to cook meth but Holly came out of the house first and freaked out, so he took her. Clint Bobo has denied this, saying that he was never involved with drugs and never met any of the four men, except for Dylan Adams, with whom he'd crossed paths once or twice. But the police initially suspected Clint. When they came to the Bobo house, they asked him to remove his shirt so they could examine him for any scratches, that is, for evidence that he'd been in the woods with Holly. Their suspicion of him endured because Clint kept changing his story. I tried to do everything that they asked, really, plus more, Clint later said. I tried to be as helpful as I could. I know that it is viewed as, probably to a lot of people, as changing my story, but I don't view it that way. I view that as me being compliant with law enforcement. Still, some believe that Clint's actions that morning were suspicious. Others don't believe that Zach Adams and Dylan Adams were the killers. As their family protested, Dylan Adams has a learning disability. His mother, who was allowed to listen to the police tape of his confession, claimed that it sounded like the police were giving him leading questions and steering him where they wanted him to go. This theory gained credibility from a surprising source, a TBI agent named Terry Dickus. Dickus was the lead investigator in the Holly Bobo disappearance until 2013, when he was taken off the case and put on desk duty. 
Dickus believes that Zach Adams, Dylan Adams, Jason Autry, and Shane Austin were innocent. At the trial, he pointed a finger at someone else, Terry Britt, the local sexual predator. Dickus noted that Britt matched a physical description of the suspect. His history suggested he was capable of kidnapping, and Clint Bobo even identified Britt's voice with 80% positivity. However, at trial, another agent testified that Dickus had lost objectivity and had had tunnel vision toward one particular suspect, that is, toward Britt. Technically, the Holly Bobo case is now closed. The trial is over, the suspects are in prison, and Holly Bobo's bones have been returned to her family. But the questions surrounding her shocking disappearance have endured. Sadly, many details about her kidnapping and murder remain a mystery. Holly Bobo isn't alive today to tell her story, and the men who killed her refuse to reveal what happened on that awful April day. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthatsinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call Redacted History. My name is Andre White the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.